Savior today. Lord, we love you today with all our hearts. We just express to you our gratefulness to you because you're our God, the worthy God, the worthy Lamb, the one who took away the sin of the world. Thank you for your blessings to us, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Anoint us today by your spirit in your presence. Let us know, Lord, that we're walking in that anointing, speaking the words of eternal life for your children. Oh, God, what a God of grace, a God of mercy. Thank you for this opportunity to serve you. We just speak to the hearts of your children today, those who have gathered in your name. We just minister to hearts and lives, I pray. If there's sick among us, may you heal them. Lord, if there's lost among us, may you save them and bring the backslider to you. Lord, whatever the need would be, Lord, cause your children to come up closer to you. Draw us up into your bosom and carry us in your arms, Lord. For we need you in this hour, this day, this moment. I pray, Father, now that you'll just speak to hearts and lives as we're here today in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Good to have each one of you in the service with us today. We want to welcome you in the precious, wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for your prayers for us while we were away. We just um, come back from up in Washington State, and I believe the Lord just dealt with some hearts in a real way. God used, used us, Brother Timothy also, to minister the words of life. And uh, we saw the Holy Spirit just move. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Brother Johnny. Good to see you today. And each one of you that is assembled with us. Amen. So we uh, today, as we just approach the throne of grace and looking to God, we want to turn to the Bible in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And we want to read from there today as we just look to the Lord and ask for His grace to us today. Titus 2.11, but the grace of God bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. You believe he's our great God and Savior? Amen. Amen. Redeemer. And we're looking forward to to that glorious appearing. It's our blessed hope. Amen. Of every believer here today. Amen. Before you're seated, I want to read just a little um, little quotation from um, the testimony of a true witness. So if we are a Christian and we're born of the Spirit, Death can hold nothing but victory for us because this old corruptible body that Satan still has power over will drop into the dust of the earth. This is the wrong season now. This is mortal season. When the, but the immortal season is coming. When the immortal one comes, he will bring with him the immortal spirits that have returned to him from the earth. And they will come forth again in the resurrection for the great millennium and shine in his glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. 
We're going to speak today as we um, just kind of bring along our subject again as we've been talking about the coming of the Lord and we want to rejoice in that blessed hope this morning because that is our only hope. When we see sin abound and when iniquity abounding and evil on every hand, we know then the only hope we have is in Jesus coming back, being prepared for that great day when we will be gathered there with him. But it is so Paul was telling Titus that we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. And as we shared with you a little quotation from Brother Branham that we're in the wrong season right now. It's a mortal season. And in this mortal season, there's sin and death and sorrow and sickness and pain and every other thing that goes with being mortal. But when the immortal one comes, you know, it's going to change seasons. And, and yet, you know, we have had great things that have happened in our day. We've seen the Holy Spirit move as a fig tree would put forth her bud and all the other trees. And we're in a time and an hour of restoration. And we have seen the heavens open and seven angels step forth from there and reveal the seven seals and, and the, the, uh, an anointing, uh, uh, the mighty angel Christ coming down in Revelation chapter 10, which is a, a great anointing and outpouring of his spirit upon the earth. As we know, the scripture said he would pour out his spirit in the last days. And yet, and yet that is, that is, of course, we can look back to Revelation 10 and we can say that is an, um, the immortal one. But yet it's not, it is not the completion because it is not the corporal and physical return of our Lord. And so we are still here in the mortal season. Amen. No matter how much um, we have seen God move, and we certainly have, yet we're still here in the mortal season. And so the immortal one that we're looking for has not come, but we are looking for his return. And I think this should be the hope that we have as every believer that Jesus is coming back to earth again. Amen. We're going to meet him in the air in this time, but yet he will also come to the earth and take over the earth for the millennium ahead. Now, Paul teaches us in Ephesians that when Jesus ascended, he took with him those that had been held captive in the grave. And this is, of course, when he left the earth after his resurrection, that when he rose, that the dead in Christ rose also. And the apostle is referring to what Jesus did in the grave for he descended first to the lower parts of the earth. And we find this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. And Paul is actually quoting the scripture from the book of Psalms. And so this is why he begins with saying, wherefore he saith. So he is actually referring back to the Psalms where that under the spirit of God, the anointing was spoke. And the word was prophesied, and he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So, as another translation would say, this is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts unto his people. Or, 
Again, he ascended into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. And gifts were given unto men. And then then he goes on and explains in verse 9 that he ascended, but he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth. And so he he that descended is the same that ascended far above all heavens. Now these these are going to be some very key points as we, uh, we talk today about where Jesus is now, because that's what we're wanting to speak to you. Where is Jesus now? We're looking for him to come back. But where is he now? What is he doing now? What is his present office, and what is the work he's doing? Amen? So we want to know where he is, and then how he will come. And so we're going to be speaking on that today. Where is Jesus now? So now, so he said, what, what, does he dis, uh, what does he ascended mean, except also he descended to the lower earthly regions or into the depths of the earth? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens to, in order to fill the whole universe. So Paul establishes he ascended to the highest level of, of all heavens. This is where that he resides or abides today is in the highest realm of heaven. Now, if you look with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, he says, for Christ also has suffered once for sin, and the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, that means made alive by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once in the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So we know that the Bible teaches us that when, when Jesus died, that he was alive, still living, though he had left his corporal body in the grave, right? It was in the tomb, but yet he is still alive. And he descends into the lower parts of the earth, and, and he is active, he is preaching, he is speaking there even in the regions of the lost and identifying himself as the fulfillment of the Scripture. Amen. To those who repented not in the days of Noah, this is an illustration is given. It shows that he actually appears into the regions of the lost and identifies himself as the fulfillment of Scripture. Are you with me? Amen. But, you saw, but, but I want you to get it that not only did he visit the realm of the lost, but he also goes to the realm of the blessed where the saints in paradise are waiting. And they have been waiting for this Redeemer to come now for thousands of years. Adam has been in the grave now for thousands of years. Methuselah, Noah, on and on and on have been down in the grave right down to the prophets that that would be um, down to the ages, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Malachi. They're all there and they're all waiting. And they're waiting on Jesus to come. 
I want you to get a picture now. The saints, these Old Testament saints, they are waiting on Jesus to come, the Redeemer. Because they can't come in the presence of God yet because they have no blood that will remit sin. All they have is a substitute atonement that only rolled it ahead, the debt of sin ahead until the Redeemer could come and pay the price. But when Jesus comes, remember when he appears there and the the regions of the blessed, this is called Abraham's bosom, are in paradise, he appears there to bring to them, to take those who were in captivity in a holding place and take them captive and lead them out as the trophies of his blood. And the victory that's in Jesus. Are you with me now? Because the reason why I'm going through all of this, because the same thing's going to happen here at this end time. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ are waiting for Jesus to come. Amen. They're under expectation for him to come to them. Are you with me? Amen. So, so again, just like they were expecting the Redeemer to come in the Old Testament, the New Testament saints are now waiting under the altar, waiting for Jesus to come back. You think you're longing for Jesus to come back? They are too. Amen. And they would, they, their voice could be heard back up on the earth by a prophet of God screaming out, cheering him on and said, you know, you know press the battle. You don't know what lays at the end of the road. Amen. You don't, really, you don't understand all the joys. Get your eyes on the goal. Amen. Don't look at the here and now and the troubles that are out. Get your eyes on the goal. Amen. Because Jesus is going to come back. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at him as he ascends now. Because as he ascends into paradise... And, and again, is, they were not in hell. They were, you know, the, the Bible says of the rich man, he lifted up his eyes in hell and saw Abraham, the bosom of Abraham. So it was in a realm higher than hell. Amen? And so, but yet now Jesus in his ascension, after going to the depths of the earth, preaching to the spirits that were lost in prison, comes up and he comes now into another realm. And it's the realm of paradise. And this is what happens when he ascends. As he comes up, this is all a part of his ascension. As he rises, he's going to raise somebody with him. So in Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open. And many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So we see when they raised, they came right into this dimension of time, of light, matter, and time. And they appeared unto many. Oh, now we get a picture of what is going to happen in our resurrection hour. Amen. When the living, amen, the the living shall remain, the dead in Christ shall be gathered together. 
Amen. And we will see them. But this time, friends, we're not going to remain in this same condition. This time when we see them, we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. They couldn't be changed back there because, because it was not time. It was, it was going to be a Gentile dispensation and more time. But we're at the end. And we're right here on the very edge of the dead in Christ rising. Are you with me? Amen. Now, so Jesus went into the heavens. Now, because he would ascend and he would ascend and, and be taken up, the Bible would describe it taken up in a cloud, received out of their sight, and they would be told in the book of Acts, this same Jesus will come again in like manner. Hallelujah. In other words, there's going to be a physical, corporal return of Jesus Christ where we will see him and not another, but our eyes will see him for ourselves and we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, Jesus went to the heavens to take a position there to intercede, and I want you to get this point. He is there to intercede until every name on his book is manifested on the earth. So he's got a whole list of names. He knows you're coming, and he's been waiting on you to get here. Amen. All the saints, are you with me? All the saints are waiting, waiting for the last ones to finish the race. And we're right here. This is why Brother Branham could hear them screaming, press the battle. Amen. Press the battle. You don't know what lays at the end of the road. You don't, you don't know the joys that lays ahead. And this is what Jesus did. He ran the race for the joy that was set before him. And we got to keep our eyes on the joy. Hallelujah. The joy of a new body. The joy of the dead saints rising. Amen. The joy, hallelujah, of never another sinful thought, never an evil deed, never another problem. Come on, somebody. The joy, the joy of being united with our Redeemer forever. That's how we got to run this race. Look into the joy. This is why Paul would say that blessed hope of his appearing. Oh, I say never. You know, we must never take that hope away from the church. We must never over-spiritualize it until we, 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 we count that as fulfillment. We must look at this and realize there is coming more than just a spiritualization of this event. Amen. It's going to materialize in a, in a change of our corporate bodies and a meeting of Jesus Christ. What a promise that is. Now, ever since his death at Calvary, where he paid sin's price, and then ascended into heaven, Jesus has resided on the throne of God. And it's not a separate throne. It is the throne of God. Not two thrones sitting up there, but it is, it, is, it is Jesus there residing on the throne of God, making a way for us to the throne. Now, this is very important that we begin to understand because this 
has made the throne of Almighty God a throne of mercy. It's made it a throne of grace, a seat of mercy. And I just want to add, it's not for ignorance alone. Amen. But it's for the sins and unbelief of all kinds. He has been on the mercy seat so we could find favor or grace in our time of need. I'll refer to this again, but Hebrews 4, 16 said, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. I want you to understand two things. It's a throne, but it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. That we may obtain mercy. So you see, it's a throne of mercy, or otherwise we wouldn't be able to obtain mercy. And find grace to help in the time of need. Now, because of the sacrifice of Christ, our Lamb, we can come boldly. But now notice, I want you to get a picture here that for right now, until Satan is cast down. Now, how do we know he's not been cast down? Because he becomes incarnate in the beast. And at the same time, the bride leaves from here. Because we're not going to be here when Satan is full king of the earth. Right? Amen. So again, again, when, the, when Satan is cast down, the bride goes up. I, I want you to see a picture here. Because Satan has a right to stand in the heavens and there accuse us before God. That's what Satan can do right now. He, let me repeat again. Satan stands in the heavens now. Are you with me? Before the throne of God to accuse you before God. But I want you to understand something else. You have one sitting on the throne that is your mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. That when you approach this throne, that you approach it through this sacrifice, through this mediator, through this redeemer, to find grace. Hallelujah. That's not just for you. That's for every person. It's for the sins of the whole world. It's for the lowest sinner here among us or the lost one that has lost their way that anybody can come and approach that throne of grace. But you can't approach it without Jesus. You cannot approach it without accepting the atonement of the sacrifice. Now, we're going to get a picture because the Bible tells you some very clear things that will happen here in the end time. It says the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. There's coming a time upon this earth as she moves into the tribulation when the bride leaves, there will be no bride here to give light. The light of the word will no longer be shown upon the Gentile world. And the sun will be darkened. And stars will fall from the heavens. There's to be a moving in the heaven and great earthquakes upon the earth. Some of these are physical. Some of these are even have spiritual application. But there will be stars to fall. Now, you know, you know, if you're just a teeny bit scientific at all and, and knowledge of science, you know, if the sun turned dark for any length of time, this world would freeze over. 
right? We also know that if stars fell to the earth, all the stars fell to the earth, there wouldn't be enough room to con- contain all the stars in the heavens. So he's not speaking about something physical. He is talking about something that is happening in the heavens where stars will fall. And these stars are not going to be planets and solar systems and this and that. They're going to be the fall of angels. Now, I'm going to just show you in the Bible. Revelation 12 and 7. I want you to get this picture. Because this right here describes our rapture. Brother Branham tells us in the first seal and the fourth seal... And, and throughout and other places in the seals at Revelation 12 is right here when, the, when Satan is cast down, the bride goes up. So we're going to look at this picture right here because the Bible tells you that at the coming of the Lord in this event, in this, this event of his coming from the rapture to his second coming where he, uh, where he comes with the saints, and actually we call that the third coming, and can refer to it as the third coming because, because but in all reality, the, what we call the second coming, the rapture, he never comes to the earth. We meet him in the air. So it's kind of second coming where he's coming back to the earth is a different event than the rapture. There's different things that will happen. But in this event up between there, between the rapture and his second coming or this where he comes back, to take the world over again for the millennium, there's going to be some great changes that happens on the earth. There's going to be where the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. There's going to be where Satan himself is cast down again. I want to get this picture to you. Again, because he was already once cast out. He was cast out there, there when he exalted himself, and we'll read about it in Isaiah 12, that he, where he exalted himself above all that is called God. He wanted to be God. Yeah. So he comes to earth, and he, becomes, uh, he, he is kicked out of the heavens after descending a, uh, deceiving a third of the angels. The Bible said a third of the stars of heaven fell. Yeah. So there we, there we get it again. Stars fell. Angels fell. In the transgression, because sin began in heaven. Didn't begin on the earth, it began in the heaven. And it began with these words, I will. Where Satan, an angel who had the ability to make choices. Somebody help me to preach now. Chose one day to exalt his will over God's will. And from there began the original sin. And now it comes on the, uh, the earth and moves upon Eve there to exalt her will over God's will. Now we're going to place these pieces here in a moment. But let's just go to Revelation chapter 12 verse 7. Because I want you to see him. He's the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he's doing now. Future home, Brother Branham said, Satan right now can accuse us before God. So he's still the accuser of the brethren. And as long as there is an accuser, we must have an intercessor. Now, just to jump ahead just a minute, and I'll read you where the prophet said, but Brother Branham said, I'd do enough in one hour to be, to be thrown in, into hell forever. That was him. 
What about you? When we talk about the holiness of God, no one dare approach him without the blood of Christ. And I don't care how great these people think that they are now. So, well, we're the bride, we're this and that. Without the blood, you have no approach to God. Amen. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, and there was war in heaven. So now we see a turmoil in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Now we see a great war, and it's against Michael, and a, the Michael, Michael is taking a battle, and Michael is, is, represents the archangel who is like Jehovah, is what his name means. His Mike L, which is A-E-L, is representative of Elohim, he who is like Elohim. So it's the angelic form of Jesus. All right? It's the theophanic form of Jesus. And there he fights against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Are you with me now? Amen. Now, you, you say, now, Brother Tim, are you sure about this, about Michael? Let me tell you, Jesus is our only intercessor. And this one is interceding or fighting on our behalf. And Jesus is that intercessor. He's depicted now as Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. This is an end time battle. God's fighting on your behalf to bring you to glory. So there can be a rapture in this day. Amen. Now there's a big fight. There's a turmoil going on and I, I just would like to say it's going on right now. And the dragon of, no, now watch, and verse 8, and I like this, and prevail not. Amen. Oh, we like reading that because we can read the results before it ever even happens. The prophecy says he won't prevail. Amen. Amen. Let me just say again, the devil won't prevail. Whatever you're fighting against and warring against today, he will not prevail. You're going to prevail over it. Notice, prevail not, neither was their place. How in the world did they have a place? Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. How in the world did they have a place in heaven? Look now, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. Now we know who the dragon was. He's the same old serpent that beguiled Eve. Right? And he's called uh, the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Now, Brother Branham explains this. He said when he's cast out, he becomes incarnate. In, in the, the, the beast system in the Antichrist and will become incarnate in a man. Are you with me? And so far, we're not there. But it lays real close. Amen. Now, and notice here, and he says, and I heard, huh, I love this, and I heard a loud voice in heaven now we're getting the scene changed. Here's Satan been cast to the earth, but now we're going to see somebody in heaven. 
a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now we see here it is finally, victory is finally attained. You say, well, it was done at Calvary. Yes, it was initiated at Calvary. But remember, he's got to reign until every enemy is under his feet. Are you with me? Amen. So he is there to reign as intercessor until his enemies are under his feet. Notice, and he says, now has come salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. What's now? For the accuser. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, again, they had a place in heaven. How did they get there? Because we can go to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, and we can see where Satan has been cast down out of heaven. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Notice these, these words. Remember, beautiful for situation is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of our great God. So Satan says, I want a church. I want God's church. And we can see him as, he, as the Antichrist began to move all the way from the beginning, moving us away from the original enthronement of God and the, and the sealing of the Spirit and the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. All of it, then here he comes as an Antichrist moving in. And he winds up, according to Thessalonians, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And is worship. And then Revelation says he's worshipped by millions. All the world will worship him. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So he says, he says, I will ascend in the, also upon the mount of congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. So God prophesies and said, you desire to ascend, but this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to fall. You'll be brought down to the pit. Amen. This whole world is getting wickeder and wickeder and more and more ripe with sin. And it's making a very place for the devil to come. But it's going to be his trap, not his victory. Are you with me? You see, this has always been Satan's desire to be God. It's the very temptation he used in Eden to get Eve to disobey God. You shall be as gods. Lucifer was cast out of heaven because of his sin and his pride and his desire to be God. Remember, Isaiah uh, is it Isaiah 28 uh, that shows him as a hovering, the covering cherub. And how that, that, you know, that he was, he was beautiful and, and was once a, a covering cherub. He was once a protector of the word. He was right a, once a right-hand man to God, as it were. 
but he gets kicked out of heaven because he exalts himself. He takes his own selfish ambitions and places it over the word of God. But now he's cast down the earth and here he comes and he's looking for a way to get back. Now, he finds a serpent which is next to man which has no soul that he can enter into. So now he has a body he can work through. But now he comes here to Eve and he begins to reason the word, yea, hath God said. And presses onto her the desire or the thought, you can be as God. Now, and when he does now, this one who's been kicked out of heaven comes to the earth. Here he comes now. The one who's deceived angels deceives Eve. Now Adam looks at it. He looks at here and here. Here, this is bone of his bone and life of his life. Are you with me? This is his flesh. This is a part of him. Amen. Without her, are you with me? Let me, let me just say something. God, God can't just destroy her and Adam just go on in order to bring forth. Are you with me? In order to be fruitful and multiply, he's got to have Eve. So he can't just have her destroyed and start all over again, but she's fallen. So what he does is he goes and takes on her sin. Are you with me? And there dies with her in order for redemption. He's like, well, that's far-fetched, Brother Jim. Well, that's what Jesus did. He can't be complete without you. He can't be complete without me. He's got to have a bride. Are you with me? And he can't leave you in sin. So he came down to become your sin and take the penalty of your sin upon himself. Hallelujah. In order to bring you back to God again. You can't make this stuff up. It is just a beautiful story of redemption. A God who will never forget you. I don't care how lost and backslidden and away from him you've been. He'll never forget you. He's going to find his own. No matter where they are, he's going to find his own. Hallelujah. What a hope that ought to give us this morning. What a joy that ought to give us. So now, Adam now, let's just look at him for a minute. He's a dual nature. He lives here in a corporal body, or we could call it corporal, fleshly body. It's made out of the dust. It's, not, it's still, at this time, there's no immortal. It's still immortal. He's walking now because as long as he's in fellowship with God, his body will never die. Right? It'll never die. As long as he keeps God's word, he'll never die. Never sickness. Everything is brought under control. Amen. He's there like a millennium. 
And the lion lays down by the lamb and eats straw like the bullock. Nothing hurts or destroy on all my holy mountain. He dresses the garden with the power from another realm. Now, I want you to get a picture here because he's on the earth, but his throne, Adam's throne, reaches from heaven to earth because he's ruling the earth from heaven, from heaven's atmosphere, from heaven's power, from heaven's throne, from heaven's dominion. And as long as he's there with that seat in the heavens, everything on earth is subject to him. But Satan, now he's been kicked out of the heavens, but now he wants this throne. I'll get back. I'll get back in the heavens now. And to do that, he's got to get Adam to become subservient to him. And if he will subjugate himself to Satan and Satan become his ruler, then he, Satan, has a position and becomes the prince of the power of atmospheres of the air. Amen. Remember this. That's all going to be restored here in this last day. Because we meet Jesus in the air. Right now Satan is the prince and the power there. But we're going to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. In the air. Amen. Back in our position again. Amen. And it'll begin. Listen, listen, listen. The fall of the earth did not begin with animals. It did not begin with the vines. It did not begin with that. It began with the king of the earth. Are you with me? Which was man. Now, if we restore man back to his original position, then him in that position will restore animals and will restore right on down to every vine, every briar, everything will be restored. But you've got to restore man back to his position. And this is what's been the problem. We have been out of position. Amen. We have been out of position. But there's a battle going on for our position. I see men and women right now that are saying to Satan, you can't stay there. Amen. Because Adam might have sold it, but Jesus redeemed it. And we're taking back our position as sons and daughters of God. And right now we can say to you, Satan, take your cancer off of God's people. Take your sickness and leave. Are you with me? Now, so now, through the fall of man, he takes, he takes a subjugated place. It's not his position. He is only there by permission. Whose permission? Man's permission. Because Adam sold out to him, sold us all out. Now, he stands there in the heavens usurping authority and accusing us. And the reason he accuses us is to keep us from taking our position. In other words, saying, you don't have a right to be a son. You don't have a right to stand here. You don't have a right for this position. It was sold to me by Adam. And because you were born in sin, shape and iniquity, because you came by the way of sexual birth, you were all born my slaves, and you have no right to this position of sonship. Amen. 
Now, we'll get to it in a minute, but I just want you to see this. Now then, in Job chapter 1 and verse 6, I want you to see this. That there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, so here, sons of God are coming into God's presence. And Satan came also among them. Now, what in the world does he have a right there? He has a right because of the fall. Amen? Now, and and the Lord said to Satan, Whence cometh thou? And the Satan answered the Lord and said, I've been going forth to the to and fro through the earth and walking up and down in it. I've been looking, I have been looking for things to accuse the sons of God so they'll have no right to approach this throne. And he, the Lord said unto Satan, Well, have you considered my servant Job? Did you notice him? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God and eschews evil. And Satan accuses, says, does Job feel, fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge around him and about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land? So here, here he begins to accuse Job and say, well, the only reason he's serving you is for what he's getting out of you. And then in chapter 2, we could, we could read again, or is it chapter 3? No, chapter 2, he will see Satan appears again and ask his permission, he said, for, to, to attack his flesh. And let me, let me just tell you something. By default, Satan has a right to attack your body because of Adam's sin. You say, "What, God, why, why, why did you let this happen to me? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of Adam chose, we would be born mortals. And because of that, we all die. And because of that, we have sickness and pain and sorrow and death and trouble Bad things happen to good people. Are you with me? Now, but anyway, he, he said, let me just touch his flesh. He said, because for a man's flesh, he'll curse you. He's only serving you because of, 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 of the hedge you got and protection you will give because God does protect us. Many times he's kept you. Listen, you think he's kept you from that accident? He kept you from things you didn't even know about. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. This, isn't a, this wasn't the first time God healed Sister Lana from cancer. She had cancer many times. And so have you. It works at your body. It's there to attack your cells. Amen. But God said, but God would draw a line and say, nope, that's it. Your body would raise up and throw it off. Amen. Your body would raise up and throw it off. Where did, where did that come from? God put that in there. Amen. That's why it's an important part of our, our own duties to, to try to take care of our bodies and not sin against our bodies by doing things that will harm them. Are you with me? 
But notice again, you know, it's another accusation. If you go to Zechariah 3 and verse 1, we will see that God, that he showed me is Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So here's Joshua now. He's going to be the, the high priest in, in Israel at the restoration that is going on. And, and, and we, we could go through the whole picture, see him in dirty garments and the change that is made, everything that God did to, to put him in position. But, but nevertheless, the point that I want you to get right now is Satan was standing at his right hand to resist him. Now that's where Satan is. He is also standing there resisting, accusing. But his time of accusation is about over because there's a war going on that's about to be won. It was initiated at Calvary, but it's going to be finished here in this last day. Hallelujah. Amen. If you will, you know, let me go back to, to Revelation chapter 12. And verse 10, I want you to just get this again. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now, these, these are the raptured saints in heaven. And they're saying, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Give me the next verse. Verse 11, and they overcame him. Hallelujah. By the blood. But yet not one drop of blood was shed for angels. Come on, somebody. This is more than angelic battles. This is your battle. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's the only way you can overcome. That was his part. Here's your part. And the word of their testimony. That's your part. Amen. He paid the price. And you confess it's done. He forgave your sins. And you confess it's done. He gave you a pardon. And you say, I received that pardon. He says, I paid for your healing. And you say, I believe it so. I receive it with all of my heart. For they overcame him by blood and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Amen. And, and so how wonderful this is. Now, this is a voice in heaven. This is the voice of the raptured saints screaming back. Here's how we whipped him. Here's how we got victory. Amen. You ought to know that this morning. Here's how you get victory. Amen. Because there is a sacrifice. Somebody help me preach. Because there is an atonement. Oh, we got a new atonement today. No, Brother Bradham said it it was a restoration back to the original atonement. Amen. The blood of the lamb and by the word of our confession. Brother Bradham said, he cannot heal you until he, you first confess that he's done it. <laughs> now, so again, 
we, we see this is where he comes. He asserts authority. Listen, Brother Branham, in the fourth seal. says, um, this is paragraph 183 in the fourth seal. Notice now he'll be given the heart of the beast at that time, and Satan will incarnate himself because when the church goes up, Satan is cast out. So as long as we're here on this earth, still in the mortal realm, amen, Satan hadn't been cast out. But when, when the church goes up, Satan is cast out. It's all done then. And all of his accusing is done. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, he said, look, as long as the intercessor is still on the throne, Satan can stand there and accuse because he is the attorney on the other side. He's the opponent of Christ. And Christ, he's standing there. The opponent is standing there saying, but wait, Adam fell. Adam did this. I conquered him. I got his wife to believe a lie. And you said she'd be damned by it. I got it. And here the mediator is standing there, the kinsman redeemer standing there with the blood that can make the vilest sinner's heart Take the violence in his heart and change it. A mediator on the throne. Can't you see? It's just more than for just ignorance because we didn't know the, the word in past ages and we lost the truth. It's more than that. It's because we were the vilest sinner. Take the vilest sinner's heart and change it. Amen. Satan says, but they're guilty. And Jesus says, they're not. He said that Clorox, and he's represented as the blood, was invented or manufactured to take stain, take the coloring of ink and any other stain they got, and they, it'll break it up so you can never find it again. It goes back to gases, all the way back to cosmic light and past molecules and everything. It turns back to the original where it come from. It's a creation. A creation had to come from a creator. But all the chemicals that was manufactured and put together, that broke up. And just ever, that's just all there is to it. There's no more of it. And the very water substance it is blends with the Clorox, which is ashes. Amen. Glory to God. It's all clean. That when the blood of Jesus, that's what the blood of Jesus does to a true child of God. When he confesses that sin, he stands there justified. In his, he says, mercy, goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Even it's so great till God says, I can't remember it anymore. And he's absolutely my son. Verily I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said, it shall come to pass. You will have what you said, your redeemed son. He said, I know it's true. Hallelujah. Because that spoken word resurrected fishes. Come on. That spoken word created squirrels out of nothing. That spoken word brought salvation to the lost. Come on, somebody. That spoken word removed a tumor out of his wife miles and miles, hundreds of miles away. That, that spoken word spoke to a storm. Amen. And, and it caused it to go back. Are you with me? Amen. So because why? He was standing there as a redeemed son. But we're here operating in the parameters of the mortals. So people who get healed get sick again. Believers still die. 
trouble still comes because we're still in the realm of the mortals. And no matter how much we've had, great things happen in the heavens. We're still here in the mortal realm, but we're about to leave it. There's war in heaven. There's a contention there. I want you to see it. Every time a believer prays or takes a stand on the word of God, it causes war. You say sometimes, Brother Tim, I got prayed for it, and it's worse because you caused a war. So, well, I prayed for my kids, and it looks like they're worse. It's because it caused a war. Amen. It's, it's caused a disturbance in the heavens. Are you with me? Well, I got prayed for, and I was sick, and I feel worse. You caused a war. Amen. You took and stood for your position as a son of God, and you got opposed. It's not a time to give up. It's not a time to quit. I can read you the Bible. He prevailed not. Hallelujah. And let me say it again. He prevailed not. He'll not prevail over your children. He'll not prevail over that sickness. He'll not prevail. Hallelujah. He'll not prevail. So you cause the war, but he won't win. So he's battling worse, but he won't win. Though he came against me with full force, but I got an advocate. There's more on my side. Call Michael. Amen. Call the archangels. Call the angels of glory to come down on your behalf. I don't know, Brother Tim, if all this is true. Well, Ephesians 6.11, he tells you you're in a battle. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but here's what we're fighting against. Principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, Where? High places. In the heavenlies. There is a battle that you're, we are fighting in the heavenlies. Now this word, this, this word high places is exactly what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. That he hath made us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ. So he's made you to have dominion because of him or with him. Amen. But every time you step up to take a part of that promise of the word, Satan is there to oppose you. Are you with me? And he's going to do it. He'll bring every doubt. He'll bring every fear. He'll bring depression. He'll bring unbelief. He'll bring a host of hell. All his angels. And he knows, he studied you. He knows what your weaknesses are. And he's trying to get you to back down. But when you've done everything to stand, stand therefore. Don't be a quitter and don't run. Stand therefore. With your loins girt about, your sword drawn. Where do you want your sword? In your mouth. 
That's where Jesus holds his sword, is in the mouth. In the, out of his mouth goes a two-edged sword. And out of your mouth has got to come the word of God. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Amen. You, you who has opposed this bride, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Take your hands off of God's property. By his stripes, I'm healed. We shall be there and our offspring with us. Whatever the word says, say it. Say it. It's the only thing that'll defeat the devil. That's what Jesus used. The sword of the word. Oh, you say, well, Brother Tim, I just want it, you know, I, I want this battle over. Well, I do too, but not till he's whipped. Amen. So Jesus comes and he comes in one side in one, in one way and tempts him in one way and, the, and, and, he, and he whips that but he finishes or he gets that battle done and he comes another way. And then he comes another way. But hallelujah. After a while the devil leaveth him. Hallelujah. Just stand there. You're going to see his taillights. Oh, hallelujah. I can see his taillights running out of this church this morning, heading out the door. Hallelujah. Because the moment somebody starts believing, God starts acting. And the Bible says, and the angels came and strengthened him. Isn't it time for the angels just to come down among us and strengthen us after the battle? Hallelujah. But they can prevail. You can prevail just on the words of Jesus. Jesus sent them out, the 70 out in Luke 10 and verse 8. Whatever city ye enter and they receive you and eat such things that are set before you and heal the sick that are therein. That means cast Satan out. That's what healing the sick is, casting Satan out. Amen. Brother Brandon would preach a sermon, casting out devils is casting out unbelief. And he said, heal the sick that are therein and say to them, the kingdom of God is come near to you. And verse 17, after they went out, the 70 returned again with joy saying, "Uh, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to start shouting right there. Amen. The devils are subject to us through thy name. Amen. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. While you were out doing this, I was watching what was happening in the heavens. And you were making Satan fall. Because you were taking the position that I told you to take. Hallelujah. Amen. You were taking the position I told you to take. And that was cast Satan out. And you were acting that on that authority. And you come back and you say, it happened, Lord. And he said, I saw it. I saw what happened. I was watching all the time. And when you started believing and you started using my name, I saw Satan fall. 
He didn't float down like a pretty little butterfly. He fell like a stone from heaven. Hallelujah. I want you to know you as a child of God can cast Satan down. Cast him off of your promise. Come on, somebody. Cast him off of your property. You don't tell that devil where he belongs. He don't belong in your position. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've got to act on that. If you don't act on it, Satan will squat on it. And he'll bluff you all, to all your life. Now, then he goes on and he says in verse 19, Behold, I give you power. I mean, he's one of his disciples this morning. Amen. This is his commission to you. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over some of the power. Oh, that's not what it said. Not just some. All of the power of the enemy. You know, I want to point out something here. You know, when Brother Branham was there before the angel, and, and you know, he says, um, he told me, and in one place he says, he told me, that, you know, that nothing would stand before your prayers, not even cancer. But when he tells us originally with his, you know, and, and explaining it, he said, I said to him, not even cancer? Because he said, nothing will stand before your prayers. And he said, not even cancer? You see, it wasn't the angel making cancer some big thing. It's only something, that devil's only big in your eyes. It's not big in the eyes of Jesus. It's no harder to heal than a toothache. Amen. No harder to heal than a headache. It's no harder to heal than, than anything. Cancer is nothing in the presence of God. Are you with me? And he said to him, he said, he, I said to him, not even cancer. And he said, no, not even cancer. Amen. But to the angel, he didn't make a difference. And here he didn't say, I give you power over some. He said, over all. Hallelujah. He heals all diseases. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too great for our God. I give you power over the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're not going to come out damaged goods. You're going to come out victorious. But notwithstanding in this, rejoice not the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we ought to be rejoicing in. We've seen our name in the book. We know who we are as sons of God. Rejoice that you're sons and daughters of God. Now, but I want to announce to you, we've been talking about Satan and what happened there in the garden what happened in the heavens, then the fall in the garden, then, his, then him being able then to take Adam's position as prince of power of the air. Jesus would call him the prince of this world. Listen, he is ruler of it because Adam subjected himself, not by divine right. And so it's questioned. He's only a squatter, and he's only there saying, but I deceived them and they sold, but Jesus said, but I paid for it. I'm the kinsman. 
Now, which one are you going to believe? Come on, somebody. Which one are you going to believe? Are you going to receive what the accuser says? Or are you going to receive what the redeemer says? Paid in full by the blood of the lamb. My sins are gone. I stand as an adopted son. I stand positioned as a child of God. I know who I am. But I want to get something to you. We are not there at the very beginning there where the fall took place. We are now past the Jewish dispensation and at the end of the Gentile dispensation. So we are, we are here. We've seen the Old Testament fulfilled. Now we're in the fulfilling of the New Testament. And we're standing exactly where the Jews was when Jesus came the first time. And you as Gentiles are standing exactly where, where, we're, where we are here to receive the Messiah. And we've been brought back to our homeland for that purpose. So we're on the other end of this situation. We're on the cusp of full redemption by the return of Jesus Christ. And to do this, heaven's powers will be shaken. And Satan will fall from his position of being able to stand before God as the accuser and will be cast down. And when he's cast down, we go up. Hallelujah. I just wonder, could this be the final day of battle? We're that close. We're that close. Amen. As we've been preaching the last night in Egypt. Amen. Here we are. We're here at the last battle. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. Distress of nations and with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, for the looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then once the powers of heaven is shaken, Satan is cast down, the bride goes up, but then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, now here's why that we can prevail. We can prevail right now because of our intercessor. I mean, he's with me. Now, when Jesus ascended, he went into the third heavens. Everybody say it, third heavens. Now, if you'd get it, um, if we would look at it in in the natural, you know, all your types, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Uh, God and, and three different manifestations, same God. We see man, bodies, spirit, and soul. It's uh, one man, and, and, and he, he himself is a tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy. The Old Testament, the same way, the, the tabernacle, outer court, inner court, most holy. And so when you get to heaven, there is a place in the heavens called the sanctuary. This is called the third heaven. I'm going to get to this for a moment uh, as we look at it because I, I want you to understand he's went in the, pre- the presence of God. This spoke of in the book of Revelation as the temple of God where the throne is, the presence of God. Now, we, we, we was dealing with the other day of the vials, 
that when the, the angel was given permission to pour out his vials of judgment on the earth for the tribulation, and the tribulation judgments began of the wrath of the Lamb, the sanctuary becomes smoky. And that is because Jesus has left the sanctuary. And when he does, as we know, he's going to come first to the saints who are looking for him. Those who are waiting there beyond the curtain of time who have entered in through the veil of death into that realm. But let's just look right now in Hebrews 9.24 where that, where that he says that Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the truth. So these were just types, just speaking of what, what the true would be. But he's entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Now, I want you to understand, this is so that when Satan comes to accuse, we have an advocate there. And he will accuse until every name that is on the book has been manifested on earth and dipped in blood. All right? Now, so when Satan comes to accuse, we have an advocate there. We have a go-between. Now, this is apostolic doctrine because now he's in the presence of God. He's appearing there in the presence of God. What's the word? For us. I want you to get the picture. He's there for me. He's there for you. There's a reason he's there. Because you need him. And here's why you need him. 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Hallelujah. Amen. Now this word advocate is the word comforter. Are you with me? Same word. When Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you, that's an advocate. I will be your advocate. I am going away to be, to make an approach of God for God, to God because man has not been able to approach God. And even the Old Testament saints could not come in this presence. They had to wait down in paradise. But I'm going there as a man to represent the whole human race so that when you have a need, I know how you feel. I'm a proper mediator. I went through everything you went through so I can plead your case. Amen? Now, so he says, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not because we are not to be willful sinners. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an approach to God. We have somebody that will plead our case Amen. Not some unknown distant spirit that never was a man, but someone who was flesh and bones like we are, who knows what it is to be sick. Oh, Brother Tim, you know, I'm not sure about him sitting down on a rock and groaning with a headache. That's what Ingram said, and Brother Branham just quoted that. Well, let me tell you, if you don't think he had a headache, what about when he was, they thrust a crown of thorns on his head? beat him over the head with a reed and then beat him and beat him and beat him up on his back. You don't think he had a pain? 
He groaned with a headache. He groaned under the every, listen, he was marred like worse than any man. Are you with me? Everything you went through. You say, my pain's in my feet. He had pain in his feet. Pain in my head. He's had pain in his head. Pain in my shoulder, my back, Brother Tim. I can't hardly sit here. He's had that pain. He knows how you feel. He knows how it is to be weak. He knows how it is to be hungry. He knows how it is to be falsely accused. He knows how it is like the woman at the well didn't want to give him a water because of his race. He knows how he needs, he, he's had racial prejudice. Come on. Every kind of thing that can be thrown at him. He was called an illegitimate. He was made fun of. The religious leaders rejected him. Everything in every way. You cannot name a problem that he don't understand. Oh, he would look at him come and said, Isaiah, let's see if he was wounded for my transgressions. Not for his own, my transgressions. He was bruised because of my iniquities. The weapons I should have got, the chastisement of my peace. He took them, my weapons. And by his stripes, I am delivered, healed, saved. And he is the perpetuation, that means the means of appeasement. Going back to Egypt for a moment, every Israeli was to die. But a lamb took his place. Somebody help me. All the firstborn was to die, but a lamb took their place. Everybody was guilty, but a lamb took their place. And the death that was, should have come on the firstborn was put upon the lamb. Amen. The same thing. He became the perpetuation. The lamb would become the perpetuation or the appeasement. The wrath was poured out upon that. God said, the day you eat there, that day you die. He can't change his mind. <clears throat> so the penalty has to be paid. And so Jesus takes the penalty. And he says, and he is a perpetuation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. What a mighty God. What a gracious Savior. Amen. Now, so you see, he is the appeaser of our sins. But now, where is Jesus now? I know I background now for over an hour. And we've talked about where Satan is and how he got there and the battle that's going on and he's going to be cast down and, and, and we're going up because we're going to take our position of sonship. This world will come back under the dominion of man with Jesus being the king of it and us ruling and reigning with him. I can read it to you in the Bible. We shall, we shall rule and reign or we shall be kings and priests and rule and reign with him upon the earth. But where is Jesus now? 
I can hear it in the hearts of brother, the heart of Brother Branham. I hear it in the heart of saints. Oh, I want to see him. It's the cry of the songwriters. It's the cry of every true believer. Certainly, I'm in love with his word. Are you in love with his word? How many is grateful that the, the, the seals have been revealed? All of them, all seven seals. How many is grateful that the word has been made known in this day and we have restored back to apostles' doctrine? How many is happy for that? Amen. I'm in love with his word. And I love, I, I love his love letter. It's kind of like getting a letter from somebody far away. Amen. And you get a message from somewhere, a loved one far away. It's not them. Oh, but you love it. You love to get that letter. You know, it's like the soldier boys hearing from home. They didn't get to hug mom or dad, but they heard from them. They got a letter from them. And they would read between the lines of it. And they would bask and they would think and envision what mom and dad's doing back home. And, you know, all, all, all of this is they conveyed their love. But it wasn't them. And I just want to say, I love the Bible. It's a love letter. And, and yet it's expression of Jesus, but it's not Jesus. I bask in his message, his expression of him. It's not him. Oh, you say, oh, the word's him, brother. The word. The, let, let me tell you, it's an expression of a person. And this is expression of a person. And yeah, it's the same as him in the sense that what he said, this is what he said. And it's true. But it's not him. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the one who died for me. I want to see the one who was nail scarred for me. Amen. I, I want to see him. Not, not, not just get a letter from him or receive a message from him. I'm grateful for the message. Don't get me misunderstood. But it's not the same as him. I'm basking it. I want to see Jesus. This was Brother Branham. If you don't believe it, Brother Branham had received the many, many things. And when he went beyond the curtain of time was when he actually went there was after he drew his last breath here and he stepped over in that dimension. And his heart's cry was, I want to see Jesus. No matter how much of the word that we've seen, how much of the message we've seen, I want to see Jesus. Oh, we saw him, you know. It, you know yeah, it was like the wind that blew. And there, as it blew, the winds, the leaves on the trees moved. As the winds of the Holy Spirit moved, blind eyes was open. We saw Jesus. It had to be Jesus. It had to be him passing by for blind eyes to open and the deaf to hear and the seals to come open. It was him. Amen. Amen. But, I, but we want to see Jesus. And we're a generation of people who are going to get to see him. 
Where is he now? Fundamental doctrine of the New Testament is that Jesus ascended, leaving the earth to go into the seventh dimension. Paul called it the third heaven. It's heaven sanctuary. We would, it would be referred to in the type of the, of the Old Testament tabernacle, the holiest of holies, the highest of the heavens. And Jesus has entered into heaven's sanctuary for us. To the very throne of God, and he remains there until this day. Oh, now, Brother Tim, he came down in Revelation 10. He also did in, in, in other, other places in the Bible. That's where he spiritually came. He came as the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Now, this again was a, it was not a physical coming. And we're talking about the physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about a spiritual or an anointing or power or an enlightenment or a revelation. We're talking about him. <clears throat> he entered into sanctuary, heaven's sanctuary. He remains there to this day. This is Paul's teaching. This is Peter's teaching. This is a this is apostolic doctrine. This was William Branham's teaching. Before the seals and after the seals. That Jesus is there in the sanctuary. As the atonement. As the mediator. Between us and God. Until our last human battle is over. Somebody with me. So, oh, Brother Tim, we, we've been declared righteous and we're justified and we never did it in the first place. Yes, that's what's been declared, but I'm still here fighting another battle. And until the last human battle is fought, amen, I need him there to make an approach for me. Because I cannot approach that throne without him. And as long as I'm in this mortal body, no man can go into his presence. He has to be changed first. And until our change comes, he remains there in heaven's sanctuary. Mark 16, verse 19. And then the Lord had spoken to them, and he was received up to heaven, into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. I don't know if I can finish all this today. But I want you just to get this. He didn't just go to the lower heavens. He went to the highest part of heaven. And he sat on the right hand of God. Now, we'll get to that here in a moment. But let's just go to Hebrews 7, 26. And let's read it. For such a high priest became us. he's, He's saying, he became the high priest. In other words, he became our intercessor. He became the one that brought the blood to to atone. And it wasn't animal blood. It was his own blood. Such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. 
Amen. So you see, he's so high in the heavens. From that position, he looks down on all of heaven. Right down to earth. Amen. Brother Branham would tell us, and be not afraid, in 1963, he says, he was talking about how that Jesus went and climbed a high hill and watched his disciples leave. And he says, but he hadn't really left them. You know, the Bible said he climbed one of the highest hills there was in the country so he could watch him. And that's when he did, when he left us at Calvary. When they crucified him, he never left us. He didn't climb the highest hill, but he climbed Calvary. He kept on climbing past the moon, the stars, plumb on to the heavens of heavens. Higher you, can, higher you go, further you can see. He got so high till he has to look down on heaven, the Bible said. Yeah, he's way up in the heavens of heavens, ascending on high. Now, this is what Brother Branham said. He kept climbing, and he's there. This is what he did for us when he left Calvary. When he ascended, he climbed in the highest of heavens so he could see an alphabet. There's an eye watching you. He sees every situation. He understands what the enemy's been doing. From his position, he can see the works of the enemy and knows exactly how to command his troops on earth to go defeat him. Are you with me? Amen. Psalms 102 said, he will regard the prayer of the destitute. This is verse 17. Psalms 102, 17. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he had looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner. To loose those that were appointed to death and to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. That's why he's there. Are you with me? To hear the groaning. To hear your travail. Are you with me? And to loose those that were appointed to death. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. This is why he's there. He's watching for you. His eyes are on you this morning. And those that were appointed for death, he has loosed. Hallelujah. He hears the groaning of the prisoner. He hears what the devil has done to his children. You've been in bondage of sin and bondage of wickedness and bondage of drugs and alcohol and and women and and men or whatever it is. You've been under bondage and appointed to death. But he sees... And he sees it to loose you. Oh, hallelujah. I want to get it to you. He's also watching for your children, your loved ones, for the lost that is out there. He sees those. He hears the cry. He hears your cry. He hears every prayer you pray. He hears every time you call. And he's there to loose, to loose the prisoner. Hallelujah. Oh, the angel may appear to your loved one right today and shake them and bring them right into his presence where they can come to themselves and recognize the father that they have left. Because he's watching and nothing misses his eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing misses his eyes. He's got eyes before and behind. 
Amen. He sees every move upon the earth. He knows what the devil is doing. He knows about that sickness in your body. He knows, amen. He knows about your lost loved one. He knows all about it. But he's not just knowing. He's loosened. He is, he is letting his power go to loose the prisoner. Brother Branham would say as we finish that quote, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he's watching us tonight. That's right, he's looking down upon this meeting. He sees our trouble. He knows our frustrations. Frustrations, he knows how sick you are. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're trying to do. His eye is watching you. He's there there, there now watching. Not to condemn you, but to loose you. Not to destroy you, but to free you. To bring you out of bondage. To bring healing. To bring deliverance. Now Paul spoke about the third heaven. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. (coughs) Such a one was caught up into the third heavens. Now, heaven is not marked off in different levels that we attain to by works. There is, Brother Branham said when he went into that realm of paradise where the saints are waiting, the New Testament saints, the Old Testament has already risen. He said, well, just some of them. Well, some of them, because some of them, they thought were saints and weren't saints. But, uh, you know, the blood did not leave a one there in paradise. He emptied paradise. Paradise is empty. So all of them raised. Are you with me? Now, let's get this, let's get this clear. But there is a place called paradise. And it's under the altar of God. And the altar of God is the third realm of heaven. It is the throne of God. It is the seat of mercy. Now, just below that, in the the levels of heaven, is angels. And below that, Brother Branham said, I went to the first heaven, which is the realm of paradise. And there's where the saints are waiting. Now, friends, this is no imagination. They're really there. Now, there are three heavens, but there are seven dimensions. Now, not seven dimensions of heaven, just seven dimensions. To explain a dimension, a dimension literally means length, breadth, and height. So the dimensions of this pulpit is, you know, so many feet high and so many feet wide and so many feet deep. That's the dimensions. The dimensions of where we live is light, matter, and time. We live in those, that's, you know, we can't go no further than time in this dimension. And we can't leave matter, right? 
And, and so, you know, we are controlled by the light of the sun here upon this earth. All energy and life comes from the sun. That's the length and height and the breadth of where we live now. It's three dimensions. Science has brought us into an invisible dimension. And that invisible, unseen dimension is very real. Now, a hundred years ago, they really didn't know much about it. And in fact, they didn't know it even uh, hardly existed. Let's just see, we've, we've made a little more time, so let's go back 150 years ago. They didn't know anything about this dimension. But it was real. It was there all the time. Television was there back when, when Jesus was here. That's right. They just didn't have the way to produce it. Electricity was here back then. They just didn't know how to tap into it. It's an unseen force that we operate by. We're sitting here in this building, and, and even if you're listening and through the Internet, you're hearing my voice come through the microphone, go into a system, go out and through the lines, go out into, into the, the, the big banks and, and, and fed out where, however it works. I don't have to know how it works. I just know it works. <laughs> Television. Television is there. You know, people that were here 50 years ago can all of a sudden be in this room right now by television. Yeah. Moving, talking, whatever else. And they're dead, been dead 50 years. Because television can produce that where it appears right in front of you. Right? Your, tele- your telephone. You know, you can stand right here. We can call Africa or Asia or anywhere else. And, and you know, it just goes into a, a, an invisible form. Moves out. Goes out. Your whole picture your everything, your movements, everything, because we, the fourth dimension has been brought very real to us. Now, that's what science has had, had been, been able to do. But now, the fifth dimension is the dimension of the lost, the dimension of lost souls and demons. So it's where that they dwell. It's a real dimension. And let me just tell you, it's a realm that you will go to if you die without accepting the pardon that's made available by the blood of Christ. Amen. That's where you go. If you go without receiving that pardon and forgiveness of sin, you go into the fifth dimension. There, where the, the realm of the lost, and it's a horrible condition, dimension. Uh, Brother Branham said, it's a condition, it's, um, he said, it's like going to sleep, you can't be asleep, you're in a nightmare, you're hideous things, you're, you're, dream, you're screaming, he said, that's the state of the wicked dead, you can't go in the presence of God, in other words, you can't wake up and go into God's presence because you're a sinner, and you can't come back to the earth because your time is up on the earth, and so you're caught in between there in between the earth, but between this dimension of light, matter, and time, and between the realms of heaven. You can't go into heaven, and you're there, a wandering spirit. You're in a tormented, like a tormented nightmare, but it's real. It's not a nightmare. 
Problem is, you'll never wake up out of the nightmare. The nightmare will get worse. Because what you'll do is you'll wind up in the great white throne judgment. And Brother Branham would say, he would describe the white throne like this. He said, let my belly be opened and cut open. And he said, let sulfur be burned in it. And all kinds of horrible things done to me. But don't let me stand at that white throne judgment. That's the fifth dimension. It's not heaven. It's just a dimension beyond light, matter, and time. Now, there's another dimension, and it's called the sixth dimension. The sixth dimension is under the altar where Jesus is. And that's where the saints abide. And in contrast, it's not a dream. It's real, but in contrast to a nightmare, it's like a wonderful dream that you'll never wake up from. Are you with me? Amen. You'll never, you'll never wake up. You'll never go back to the old life again. You'll never, are you with me? You'll never be mortal again. You'll always be immortal, timeless, eternal, not controlled by matter or even sunlight, but controlled by and energized by the very light of God. Are you with me? So it's like a wonderful dream that you never want to wake up from. But it's not a dream. It's real. Now, the seventh dimension, that's the sixth dimension where the saints are. And the seventh dimension is the altar where God dwells. Now, we can see from these souls under the altar. I'd just like to go there for a moment. And I'll I'll try to conclude with this part of the thought. Souls on the altar. Let's go to the fifth seal, and we're just going to see these are in the martyr's block, is what Brother Branham called it. They're in a special designated place. They were Jewish people who will be given white robes. And he said they did it because of the testimony which they held. We'll read this in a moment. Revelation 6 and 9, actually, we'll just go there now. But these are souls on the altar. And Brother Branham said that my group... The, the believers for this age were not in the martyr's block. They were, they were here gathered still in the sixth dimension, souls under the altar. So he said there are, there are groups like, that are gathered like the, uh, these Jews that, uh, that, had, that were, were given grace. And he said they were under the martyr's block, having been slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. But he said, my group was not with them. They were here uh, still under the altar waiting for Jesus to come. Are you with me now? So Revelation 6 and 9, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw uh, under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So these were not Christians. These were Jewish people who were given white robes. And they, they were slain because of their, their stand for the word of God, the Old Testament law. And for the testimony that they held. This is why they were killed. They were killed because they were Jews. Are you with me? 
And they were despised because they were Jews. They were God's people, God's chosen people. And God hadn't forgot them. Amen. If God wouldn't forget Jews, are you with me? God wouldn't forget Jews who did not receive the atoning blood of Christ. And he would not forget them, but remembered them because of their testimony in the word of God. Then, friends, we got to realize this God don't forget nothing. He's not going to forget about you, your loved ones, your children, your needs. Watch now. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to them, every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they were and should be fulfilled. So there's going to be a few more added that's going to be killed. So he tells us of these souls in the altar, they're slain for the word of God. Now, we're just going to make some points here as we go along. That these were not disembodied spirits, but they were people that were yet alive, even though they had been martyred. They are not different people, but people relocated. Understand, whatever you are here, that's what you're going to be there. You're not going to be, you're not going to be, a, you're going to be the same person, just relocated. Somebody with me? That's why Brother Branham said, if you're a sinner here, you'll be a sinner there. So don't worry, you won't be there. If you're a liar here, you'll be a liar there. there so don't worry, you'll be over here in this other realm. Whatever you was, that's what you'll be. Unless there's the atonement blood that wipes out every memory of sin. Now watch this real close. So they were relocated. Those dead in Christ, they're still just alive as they were when they walked. In fact, can I say it? They're more alive. Not just as alive. They are more alive there than what they were here. This is real life. And he said, you know, they've they're, they're just been relocated and waiting for Jesus to come. They're, you see, they've run out of the, the, the length, height, and breadth of this dimension. They run out of time. So they move or are relocated out of this old time-worn body into a theophany body. Amen. Because the Bible said, if, if this house of our habitation be dissolved, we have one waiting already Amen. in the heavens. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got a body that's better than this one. And I'm going to get to it one way or the other. If I go by the way of the grave, I'll just be relocated. If I go by the change, I'm just going to be relocated. But whatever, I'm moving into that theophany. So are you. Now, they're not different people. The the book of Hebrews speaks of it as as righteous men made perfect. So, you know, here we are. We're still in imperfect bodies. 
But when we step over there, just one breath away from here, we're righteous men made perfect. These persons were remembered in heaven because of their life on the earth. God doesn't forget. You're remembered for your deeds because of the testimony which they held. They're called out with a loud voice, or they called out. They spoke with a loud voice so they can express themselves just like people on the earth. This tells us they were rational. They were communicative. They were emotional. They were passionate. They had ever ever spectrum of feeling. As Brother Branham, when he when I went beyond the curtain, when he went beyond the curtain of time, he says, "You you mean I can feel them? You mean they're real? They're, in other words, they're not they're not just a spirit or a spook, but it's a body that can be touched. They were fully conscious. They were aware of each other. They were aware of God. They're aware of the situation on the earth, and they were even praying." They were free to ask God questions. They talked to God to intervene on the earth and for God to act on their behalf. It means they had an audience with God. In the present heavens, they knew enough about what was happening on the earth. They realized there was those had killed them and had not been judged. They had a clear memory of their life on the earth. They knew they had been killed. They had prayed for judgment of their persecutors who were still hurting others and and asking for divine intervention. They were, in effect, interceding for the suffering of others on the earth. Are you with me? They were cognate of God's attributes, as they called him Lord, holy and true. They were treated as individuals as each one was given white robes. They had physical forms because as a spirit, they could not have been clothed with a white robe. God answered them and promised to fulfill their request, but that they would have to wait a little longer. And when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time, they said, but we got to wait a little longer. He hasn't come yet, but he'll come to you. And when he comes, you'll be judged for what you preach to us. And if you are accepted, which you will be, we'll go back to earth together. Come on, somebody. The saints anticipate the return of Jesus and their immediate return to earth for with excitement, they said to Brother Branham, one day we're going back to earth and we'll take up our bodies again. We don't eat here, but we'll eat there in those bodies. Is somebody with me? Amen. You see, the saints, I want you to get it. The saints are anticipating the coming of the Lord. So if they are anticipating, how much more should we be? If they are saying he's still higher, it means he hadn't descended from the mercy seat yet. But when he does, he'll come to them first. And then there'll be a resurrection. And then we'll gather together. Hallelujah. Are you with me? We'll gather together. Amen. If I'm just going to jump ahead of my time right now and just conclude it with this. As Brother Branham would, would say, would, would say, he said, you know, when, when he said, God, look at his wisdom. His wisdom. He, he knows. 
He knows when the dead in Christ rise. And here we are all getting together. We're going to look around and say, did brother so-and-so make it? Where's brother so-and-so? Where is it? Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Where's this one? Where's that one? And he said, we'll have a great reunion. And he said, we're going to get to meet one another first. Amen. Because he said, he wants all our eyes to be on him. And not be wondering, is this one there or that one there? Did this one make it? But we'll have a great reunion first. And then all eyes will turn on Jesus. And we'll see him as he is. What a day that will be. What an hour we can look for. And to realize we're the last one in the race. So it's our time to run. Give me Hebrews 12, verse 1. If the musicians come at their will. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. <laughs> Wherefore, now you remember, he's already just went through all the Old Testament saints and them that's went on. He talks about Abraham and Gideon and, oh, he just names all these heroes of faith that have went on. And we've had heroes. I said we've had heroes. We've had men down through the ages, heroes. Great men of faith, heroes. And Paul, after mentioning these heroes of the Old Testament, he said, Wherefore see them, we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Oh, brother, we can call out the witnesses. And even Brother Branham would have the witnesses coming, hearing their voices, press the battle. You don't know the joy that lays at the end of the road. Witnesses. And they're there. Listen, can I say it? They're out of every scripture, calling out of every verse in the Bible. And when Moses says, we did it, you can do it. We applied the token, you can do it. Amen. We saw our enemies drowned in the, in the Red Sea. The, the, you can do it. Amen. Whatever we've done, you can do. Come on, church. Amen. But now, he says, we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. There's Paul, Irenaeus, Martin, Columba, Luther, Wesley, Branham. We got those of our own congregation that's already went over there. A cloud of witnesses seeing we're compassed about with other men who have run their race and done the same thing. Then let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us and let us run. Hallelujah. With perseverance, with not giving up, we're putting everything you got into it. Run. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. It's your time to run the race. The word's been placed in your hand. It's your time to believe it. Now run the race. Hallelujah. You're on the mark. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to run the race. Get in position. Put everything you got into it. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to persevere. I'll endure to the end because the ones that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I say hallelujah. It's our race. It's our time to run. Oh, how will we run this race? Amen. Run. I want you to run looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher. He started us. He's going to finish it. Hallelujah. I said he started it. He's going to finish it. Run with your eyes on Jesus. Don't get your eyes off of Jesus. Amen. Run looking for Jesus. Who? The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy? Who for the joy? Somebody help me preach now. For the joy. For the joy of a new body. He did it to get a bride. Come on. For the joy of getting you. He come. Come on. Amen. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. He did it for you to get a bride. Come on, somebody. Amen. But look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who far the joy, oh, the joy of being together with the millions of the hosts of all the saints down to the ages, of the joy of being a new body that can never sin, never have a bad thought, never have an evil deed. Amen. The joy of having a body that will never grow old, a joy of being with him forever that we get the bridegroom, the joy. Run for the joy. Despising the shame, despising the cross. Say, but the load is heavy. The cross is heavy. It's too hard. It ain't too hard. It's going to be worth it all. Put everything you got into it. Don't slack off in this hour. Run with everything that's in your heart, within your life. Run. Throw away that sin. Throw away that unbelief. Throw away what's been so easily beset you. And put everything you got into the race. Hallelujah. Will you stand together with me, everybody, now? Let's just worship God together. Why don't you give him a hand clap of praise right now? Hallelujah. We can give him a hand clap of praise. Worthy. 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 Sing that song again. I bowed on my knees and cried holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, that day when we see him. What's it going to be like? Will I dance for you, Jesus? I just might. Hallelujah. You might be, you might just say, oh yeah, I've probably been doing a lot. Will I shout? Will I cry? I mean, every human emotions. Oh, when we see him, it'll be worth it all. But I don't want to vow. And have not accepted his pardon. I won't, I don't want to be there and just say, yeah, you're Lord and you're king of the earth, but I'm not one of your subjects and I'm condemned. I want to be one.
that's accepted in the beloved. Right now, you can be accepted in the beloved. In the time you surrender your life to God, in the time you put everything you got into it, in the time you become more sincere, like I preached the other day, God calling for more sincerity. In the time, in the time for a fresh dedication. Amen. Seeing we have a cloud of witnesses. Paul, who would give us, give us, be beheaded for the gospel. Men and women down to the ages who stood for God. I can see saints of God tried right down to the very end. I watched an old veteran soldier bosom friend of mine, Daniel Williams, get a brain bleed, brain, brain tumor, I mean, dying, withering away. I watched him watched him as he come out of the surgery take him off part of the the brain, the the tumor trying to give him a little more time where it wasn't causing maybe so many headaches and things that was happening he comes to the pulpit comes to church talks him into letting him leave the hospital after the surgery, he said let me just go out for the day, I'll be back tonight he comes back with a bible in his hands walks in my office and he said brother Tim you got something on your heart this morning I said yeah I'm prepared I saw him with his Bible I said Daniel you got something on your heart he says yes I do and he steps out and he preaches that morning on the God I know the God I know he knew that God. No matter how, no matter how he lost his dignity, family, friends, ministry, everything that happened to him in every way. But he knew that God. The God I know, the God I serve. The God I know when I was lost in sin. He came down and found me took the old wretched heart out of my life and made me a child of God. That's the God I know. The God I know. And he loved not his life unto the death. And he went down in faith. I stood at his funeral and I preached. These all died in faith. Not having received the promise. He didn't die an unbeliever. He died confessing his God. He, nothing that would happen to him would make him deny the Lord. I say there's been a great cloud of witnesses. Amen. And maybe it's not just, that's just one example. We could go down one after another, after another, after another of witnesses that have went on before us. It's tried to tell you about the God they know. God they serve. And they love not their lives unto the death. But they're faithful. They're looking over the banister. Do you know the Bible said 
that the heavens rejoice. Now, we usually say the angels rejoice, but the Bible said there's, there's rejoicing before the angels, before the presence of God, there's rejoicing for every sinner that repents. Can't you imagine as the news reaches heaven, when a prodigal comes back home and the shouting that's going on in the realms of the saints, Amen. Every prayer. Listen, that mother, that daddy's prayer ain't going to fall to the ground. It won't. Many of them are even poured out. Amen. That have been held up. Maybe your prayer's been held up, but it's time to be mixed with incense this morning. Come up in the presence of God. Amen. Will you bow on your knee today and say he's holy? Well, I bowed on my knees and Cried holy. Can you say he's holy? Oh, he's holy. Come up to his presence now. Holy. Oh, hallelujah. I clap my hands and say glory. Hallelujah.
worthy. Amen. Worship him from the depths of your heart now. In Jesus' name. Amen.